Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Living Your Juiciest Life Ever, where we have amazing conversations with women and men that have gone from burnout to on fire, from selfless to self-full, from self-loathing to self-love, perhaps, or living someone else's dream to living into their own juicy space, sharing from their heart so you can too be inspired to believe and to do the same. Today, I am honored and blessed to be able to introduce a new friend, someone I met on a networking event, and we talked briefly about color. Well, we're not having that conversation today. We are going to have a really cool conversation, and you're going to learn some things about sales. You're going to learn some, you're going to hear some great stories. And uh, so here we go. We're going to be welcoming, and we are welcoming Steve Brossman. And he is a former national professional track champion, a nine times Amazon bestselling author in marketing and sales. So you better listen up and has spoken in 15 different countries to over 65,000 entrepreneurs. And I hope that wasn't all at the same time, <laughs> professionals and business owners. He has 20 years of TV and video experience. So you think he might be able to help you with some of that, including hosting his own network TV show. He's been an executive producer for Warner Brothers as well. In 2012, Steve was named internationally number one video marketing influencer of the year. Steve has personally created several six and seven figure multinational businesses of his own, including inventing and marketing an environmental product selling 4 million units to 26 countries. Okay, we have to find out what that is. Can we remember all these things during this podcast? I don't know. Last year, he was selected and published with 40 of the world's most innovative marketers. And I'm excited about that because I think so much as what's been happening is passe because it tells you do this or get nowhere. And he's an innovator, so he's on top of it. He currently helps business owners, sales professionals, and entrepreneurs attract high-quality clients and incre uh, increase conversion rates, increase conversion rates, increase conversion rates, I'm going to say that three times, on their virtual sales calls without any pushy sales techniques, what everybody wants to hear. His latest back pocket guide is how to sell yourself without selling your soul. I love that title. Thank you so much for being here, Steve. I'm welcome to living your juiciest life ever. Thanks so much. And just listening to that, I am so pleased that I was born in 1901 to fit all that stuff in. <laughs> I was going to say 1858, but okay. <laughs> uh, it's uh, when you say live your juiciest life, um, I think I've done it. Uh, I think I am still doing it. I don't want to call it quits now. No. Well, living your juiciest life is really all about the perspective on life, right? Where are you living it from? Regardless of what it is that you are doing, what is the perspective? Where is, where's your heart lying? And are, is it coming from that place of fullness as opposed to a place of, I have to do this. And it's a place of emptiness because that's where burnout lies. Can I share two things straight up front? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I love this conversation because I didn't know where I was going to go to answering whatever question you've got. And this was totally off, off script. 
I'm blessed. I've set myself as a professional athlete to get where I got to. I had to have discipline and routines, but I also had to enjoy it. And I have a non-negotiable morning routine, non-negotiable. I do a quick check-in before I get out of bed. My feet do not hit the ground until I have found something that I'm going to be excited about today. Mm. And it's just, what am I going to be excited about today? I cannot get out of bed in a bad mood. There is no getting out of the wrong side of the bed. Whichever side of the bed I get out of, it's I always have at least one thing that I'm excited about. Then I do some yeah, oxygenation and water, some breathing, et cetera, gratitude journaling, and into the day. So those five minutes are non-negotiable. And I start today, and I love your title, and I'm going to give you some. I've been waiting to give it to somebody. And if you use it, you use it. If you don't, that's fine. From burnout to burning bright. Oh, I love that, actually. Because on fire could be a little scary. (laughs) Yeah, and and people actually do want to burn bright. And it's just the nice alliteration is from burnout to burning bright. And I I really believe that that's something that... uh, yeah, would certainly resonate with with your people. Absolutely. And I love actually that you said, I mean, the first question that you ask yourself is what, what is there? What, what am I going to create today that I'm going to be excited about? Or what am I going to be excited about in this day? And it's more than just sort of like, we, we always hear gratitude and yes, it's super important. And you also implement that in your day. But what can I get excited about today is like, oh, that's kind of like putting it on an accelerator mode in a way, you know, it's like yeah, a jump and, start. Yeah. And I'm a real straightforward sort of guy, even though that I, I know that I'm blessed with intuitiveness and, and help people that sort of way. And I tap into all of that as I do it, but, and I'm not into one of these people that spend hours and days and months working at what, you know, mission vision values are and all of those sorts of things. But I know what I'm put here for. And the key thing that I've got written down has been my statement to live by, call it mm-hmm. a mission, a vision, whichever bucket it fits in, I don't know. But I'm here to inspire other people. I'm here to help other people exceed their own expectations, just like I did many years ago and continue to do. Exceed your own expectations with inspiration, innovative strategies, and support. That's it. That's what I live for. And if through this conversation here i might be able to help people you know take some things in to say you know i could do this a little bit more and uh and give them some strategies or some inspiration to do it because um i'll go back to that track thing because i know it's going to be one of your early questions is how Mm -hmm. did i get started i was born with a kid with really bent legs bandy legs pigeon toed bordering on deformity Mm -hmm. and my nickname lovingly from my family because it was true was called bumblefoot i actually kept tripping over my feet I love sport. I kept playing sport and I sort of worked out how to point my legs in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And although I had never won the athletic championship or the school track, I got to high school and I said to my dad, dad, I want to go out in a high. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to win. (laughs) (laughs) So we got a coach and trained hard. Didn't tell any of my mates. So I was training hard for it. And I actually, won the school championship for the first time ever in my last year. And then I got to the regionals and I thought, wow, yeah, I've got to the regionals and I won there. And I kept training harder and I kept setting these extra, what I call in my book, um, momentum goals. How do we set a goal that we could smash through, not aim for and keep falling short of? 
Mm. So I kept these momentum yeah. goals. And I kept, well, I'm going to state. Wouldn't it be great to get to the finals? I got to the three finals. Yeah, no fairy tale, didn't win. But my coach said, you, know, you really improved. Why don't you keep going? And that was with the grown-ups and the professional track guys. And I thought each week, each month, my goal was to beat one of the other guys, one of the other guys. And it was like, hell, I could probably win a race now. And then, and from each of those within two years from being a kid who wanted to win his high school sport, I was the youngest ever national professional track champion. And my training mates always used to say, Steve, if your legs were straight, you'd be six foot. I'm only 5'10". And if your legs were straight, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be doing this. But aren't we lucky they're not? So that... I want this to be an inspiration right from the beginning. I'm no guru, God, sensei. I was born like most of you and possibly behind most of you. So the saying is, if I can do it, you guys can do it. And if we can get that up front, anything you hear from here on in is on everybody else's plate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's interesting because... It's so often that um, people that have perceived challenges and they're in the right environment. So something was good. Something was good that really encouraged you to really just go for it. So yeah. where did you get most of your encouragement from? I was blessed with wonderful parents. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. It was always, yeah, it, it was never, no, you can't do that. Well, let's have a crack. Let's, let's, let's have a go at doing something. And they were supportive. I was, yeah, I had you know, a very lowish middle-class upbringing. Uh, both mum and dad had jobs. And whenever we needed to do something else, the first thing I learned from dad was, look, we need some extra money. Let's, let's do some extra things. Let's start a business. Right. And I thought, right. Okay. So we set up a contract cleaning business and, and I thought, okay, that was, yeah, I'd come home and I'd be the guy that cooked the dinner and everybody else would come home, we'd have dinner and then we'd go out and do our contract cleaning in between my homework and all of those sorts of things. But it taught me a valuable lesson. Like if you want something extra, just take responsibility and go and set up a, a business, become an entrepreneur. And at the age of you know, 11 and 12, I saw my family do that, that afforded us nicer holidays. It paid for all my sporting gear. And I was a part of the journey of getting in and knuckling down. And if you want to do it, it's there. It's there. You just got to go keep your eyes open and, and go for it. Right. That's really awesome. And I asked this one question that, because um, so often people come from a different place than they were and maybe didn't have the support, but um, when I asked about um, how you felt during perhaps a time were you ever giving too much to others and neglecting yourself in the process? And Y E S. Yes. And often I, I kick myself and I tell everybody this, that if you fall apart, you're no good to anybody. Having time out to make sure you are the best. I take time out. I do my cycling. I do my swimming. I do all of that. And, and here's a little thing that your, your people may want to write down. I live by four Bs. Brain, body, brand, business. 
and too many people don't do it. And I'll, I'll quickly tell you what each of them are. A lot mm-hmm. of people think, okay, I've got to get into business and I'll get all that right. And then when I get that right, I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll take care of myself. When I get that right, I'll do this. But the brain, I just told you, I don't get out of bed until my brain is in the right place. Mm-hmm. So I switch my brain on first. The brain is all about mindset. It's the, yes, I can do it. And I'll share a little bit later the, the, the goal setting theory as well. So the brain is first. The body has to come next. You've got to look after your body. You can't work around the clock. I just shared with you that um, I've been up already since 3.30. It's now 6.30 nearly a.m. But my day will go from 3.30 a.m. till 11. I might go for a swim. I might go for a cycle. I might go for a sleep. But there's no pressure now. It'll be chill. Look after me for a while. And if I want to kick back into something else, it's going to be my choice. I'll have other things that I will be working on. So brain, brain then body are, are crucial. Then brand. You are your personal brand. The minute you sit down in front of the computer, the minute you walk out the door. Mm-hmm. You know, if I pull this down, you'll see some books on the shelves. There will be Steve either in a, a bright blue shirt, which I can't wear because of green screen, because it shows straight through me. <laughs> it's, my, my branding colors just don't work well on Zoom, but you'll see that I'm roughly the same person, color, branded all the way through. I'm the same person here. You're talking to me when you meet me live. I, I can't fake it. My television, a lot of, probably 80% of my TV career, my, my later TV career was all in business. The first part was in kids TV. I hosted wow. and produced a kids TV show and appeared on every network in Australia on kids TV. And you got to be damn over the top to get through that little black hole called a camera and connect with (laughs) kids. And when we were starting to do video marketing, my wife and I did some work with a guy called Frank Kern. It's very relaxed, very laid back, very chilled. And Pam said, you're just too hypey. Why don't you just be more like Frank? I shot a couple of videos and I swear I looked like I was on sedatives. Oh, no. It wasn't me. And I just realized I have to be me. People will love me or hate me and that's okay. So your branding is important, but it's got to be consistent. And when you take care of all of those three, your business generally starts falling into place and people will be attracted to you and your message for who you are, what you do, and what you're going to do for them. Yeah, I love what you said. I love what you said uh, that you were asked to be like someone else. And this has been something of a, a new level of awareness on the, uh, the box thinking, right? If you don't do it this way, then you're not going to be successful. If you don't do it that way, you're not going to be successful. As opposed to really paying attention to who are you? And not being concerned so much about being unique because you are unique. It's more about really, who are you? You did the most perfect segue ever without knowing about it. And I'll tell you why you're brilliant. (laughs) I talk about the brown box syndrome. Mm. And there are so many people out there that are brown boxes. They call themselves a coach, uh, an author, a speaker, uh, a, a, a trainer, an accountant, a, a something. It's a brown box. But it's not until people unwrap the box, they actually get to know who you are and what you do, that there could be gold inside. Mm-hmm. 
And you need to communicate the uniqueness, exactly what you said, the uniqueness of who you are and not what you do, because that's brown box. It's how what, you're do, you, what you do impacts and the transformation of whatever it is, whether it's business, life, whatever it is, how that affects your people and your bright blue box, because that's my favorite color, your bright blue box stands out. And the analogy with this is when you look under the tree on Christmas day and there's one brown box and all the rest are bright objects, <clears throat> which one is going to be unwrapped last? The brown box. And there's two reasons for that. Most people know that average stuff comes in average looking boxes. The other thing is that the person who put it under the tree didn't think enough of what was inside to wrap mm. it to attract the people. Well, and when people look at you and you say, hey, yeah, I'm an accountant or I'm an insurance broker, or I'm an advisor, I'm a coach, I'm a, and even if you put a little title and I'm an executive coach, well, there's only 400,000 of those. That's good. <laughs> They're thinking that you didn't think enough about who you are to oh, wrap yourself better. And you're the same as everybody else sitting on the same shelf as everybody else. And generally they'll go, yeah, yeah, that one's a bit cheaper. I'll go that one. Your fault. If you're being judged on price, it's your fault mm -hmm. because the communication is either coal or diamonds. Now coal is plentiful. It's pretty ugly, but it gives off a little bit of heat in the end. It takes a bit to get there. Diamonds when cut right, immediately attractive, perceived high value, and virtually indestructible. What is your communication? Basically, they're both carbon. Amazing. So have a look at how you're positioning and communicating yourself. And if you're not attracting the right level people, it's your positioning and the communication of what you deliver, not what you do. Everybody is worried about the box that they yeah, their, 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 um, their appointments, their coaching times, their, how many hours you spend with me. We don't care. It's what you're going to do for us. Absolutely. I love that. Actually, I was having that conversation with someone earlier today and uh, she's just stepping into, you know, creating a new business. And she says, I don't know what to call myself. She says, I don't want to call myself a coach. There's like, everybody's a coach for heaven's sake. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And I want to ask a question before it zooms off. And that is, is that in what it is in the many things that you help people with, do you help people to um, kind of put together a, a better description, like to wrap them up in a better way? That's one of the things, obviously, it sounds like that's something that you specialize in. It actually is. It's probably one of my gifts. Okay. And I see things differently to other people. And that's okay because people come to me and they say, I don't do what you, I can't do what you do. Great. Well, don't get me to operate on anybody. Don't get me to do anybody's taxes. Don't get me to fix anybody's, well, I can fix pipes. Um, do that. I, I can't do what you do. But what I do do is uncover and, and, and really extract two or three layers of the onion ring down. And I'm listening to it from a different viewpoint. It's like, well, what do I really want to buy from you? What is it that I want to buy? And then what is the value of that to me? And I'm about to do a, a major presentation in a couple of hours time. And we're talking about why people hate selling. 
mm. is because they're told to sell their box. They're told to sell what they do. Now, the person gets on the call with a zero pay in mind, and you've got to get them to zero up to the box price. And quite often they'll say, well, I'm going to put more in the box. I'm going to give you more hours. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. My box is bigger. Mm, not yet. Okay, I'm going to do more. And they just keep layering on and giving a bigger box and then discount it. But when you have the right conversation, we talk about the three levels of influence in selling. There's the imposed influence. Well, sit down for half an hour. Let me tell you why I'm good and why you should buy from me. Gee, I haven't heard that before. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the imposed influence. And that's what people sell. And that's what people teach and coach. And that's why people get stressed. And then there's the collaborative influence. And I would bet everybody on this call loves helping people. So we sit down. Here's my system. Here's my blueprint. Here's my whatever. Sell the system, not yourself. And we, we have a, a visual. And we teach people how to have a visual that you can write on and talk about it and say, well, if we were to do this, how do you think that would go in your business? If we were to work on this? Yeah, right. So that would generate an extra two clients per month great now what does that mean to you oh an extra x thousand dollars let's just write that down and we'll just have this discussion around the system and we get to the end of it and kate by the look of this if we put this system into your business it looks like from what you've said we're going to generate an extra let's just say it's an extra ten thousand dollars per month save you seven hours a week and you're going to have a lot less stress does it make sense we get started on this sooner rather than later? Yeah. <laughs> so we then are talking about the agreed implementable value. We've agreed this is worth 10K to me a month or $1,000 a month or whatever it is, the agreed implementable value, which is going to be significantly higher than the box value. So those people who are th thinking that selling is taking, I'm taking you from zero and what anything I take above zero, I'm taking from you. Mm. But when you come from the top, I'm giving you this. And anything that's between the agreed implementable value and the box price, I'm giving you. When you switch that around, it's like, okay, I, I want to get out there and help more people. I'm basically sell to more people because they're giving. And they're coming down from the 10 to, let's just say it's $1,000 a month. It's like, you're going to give me... 10 and I'm just going to give you one. It's a pretty good bet. Yeah. And that's how you switch the whole thing around. As opposed to coming from a place of lack or loss, it's coming from a place of there's big profit. Yeah. Yeah. It's big yeah. profit. Love it. Ah, I'm going to go back to this, this nice little list here because there were some questions I had and then it was like, Oh, let's talk. What's what, what, what have we not this? Uh, what I love, I love this share this, um, the six principles that you use continually to succeed. Yeah. They're the six principles that when I sat down to write sort of my story and how I got to where I got to and hopefully inspiring people to overcome obstacles and the first thing is belief. You've got to believe in the goal that you're setting. Mm -hmm. You've got to believe that you can do what you're going to do. And then set momentum goals. Now, those two go hand in hand. Most people <clears throat> will tell you to set a stretch goal, to set a big goal, a BHAG. I think the biggest thing, biggest detriment to people actually achieving their goals is setting a BHAG. 
big, hairy, audacious goal. It's good to have an aspiration. I, I want my goals to get to here. But the, the main goal you set is a goal that you 110% believe that you can achieve with significant effort. It's not just, yeah, I'm going to run a marathon and the first goal I'm going to set is to run around the block when you already know you can do two blocks. That's not a momentum goal. It's got to be a stretch goal. Mm -hmm. So you set down your belief. You've got to have it you can believe in. Therefore, you're going to put that 105% in. The momentum goals get you to the point. Then the next thing is you've got to have your plan in your team. That's standard. Okay. And then you've got to get to the point of what is it that I could do a little more every day? What's my half a percent here and half a percent there? Mm -hmm. And then track that. Keep yourself on track. So what happens is if you set the plan, and then today is what can I do a half a percent more? It might be make one more phone call. It might be do, do the blog post that I've been putting on off. It might be that extra half a little thing. That gets you ahead of the curve pretty quickly. <clears throat> and what that does is the last goal, which is choreograph winning effect. Have wins. Always choreograph wins. Um, Professor Ian H. Robertson in, in his book, The Winner Effect, The Winner's Effect, he did the research and when animals, when us as animals had a win, which was generally a kill, we had mm -hmm. a surge of testosterone and dopamine. Yeah, and, and it had, and you ha keep having wins, you have a permanent effect on your psychology and your physiology. But the biggest thing, it gives you confidence to go on to the next thing. And then the next thing, you know, when you've had a win, you feel euphoric. And you say, yeah, I can attack something else. And I can attack something else. So that's the whole principle of setting these goals is you get to the, your, the end of your momentum goal, either earlier or bigger, quicker, faster. And you've got the slingshot effect. You're already slingshotting with momentum onto the next one. And then you do that again and again and again. Before you know it, you've got to the aspiration, the big goal with such momentum earlier, bigger, faster than you had thought possible. And when something happens, and it does, and you're already ahead of the curve, it's okay. I know how to get back ahead of the curve, or I've got a little bit in reserve, and you're still going to. What happens And you set the big goal, and something happens? You, it rains for two days, and you don't get out for that run, or you just don't do this. You fall behind, and you're getting the losing effect is, you know... I've set another big goal and it's another one that I'm not going to get there. So I'm not going to put in the effort and then you get further behind and you get further behind. I'm sure everybody, and I know I have, you, you do that, but switch it around. Instead of climbing to the top of the hill where it gets steeper and narrower and lonelier, mm -hmm. start at the top of the hill with a snowball, start it going a good idea and a thought. And you start the snowball going. And as it gets bitter, you're actually getting more people on board and you're getting more confidence. Right. And as it gets more and more momentum, you get more people on board and it's getting more and more momentum. And if there's an obstacle in its way, damn it, it'll just smash through it. And it'll get to the bottom of the hill with such momentum that you're already shooting up to the next one. Just turn your goal setting on your head and you'll just enjoy it so much more. Okay. So I love that visual because it's that uh, you're taking it from that to going into it yeah and so it's 
that's, that makes a really, I mean, in my mind, I just went, Oh, I really like that. <laughs> I told and, you I see things differently. I love it. I love it. And the, and then, then it's something else that came to mind for me. It feels to me like, as opposed to an arduous task, what you're doing is you're coming at it from a perspective of what inspires you. So what, what is the next juicy thing that you could set in place as your what, what you call your momentum goal that um, that you want to? It's not a task, but it's like I want to. This is an exciting goal for me. Yeah, life is not a dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you're here. Why not enjoy it today? What am I going to do that I'm going to actually enjoy today? Sure, we got to do other things. I'm not saying that you know I never do anything that I don't like doing. There are things that I yeah, as long as it's a stepping stone towards where I'm going to get to. And the big thing is we reward ourselves. Reward yeah, the little one. wins. And that's going to do so many wonderful chemical things in your body that you just, I'm not going to get into the, the chemistry of it all, but there's so many fantastic chemical manipulations that we can do in our body mm-hmm. that we are in control of. Find the wins, create the wins and celebrate the wins. And when you're doing that, it's like, well, wow. One of the first things that I do with most of the people that I work with is get them to write their champions list. What are 10 things that you've done in your life that you were proud of and you thought it was a bit of a stretch? It might be swing across the monkey bars when you're a young kid, but you're scared of it. Ask the girl out on a date when you're petrified. Those little life things, won a race. Uh, built a business, sold something that you never thought you could sell, whatever it is, write down those 10 wins, create your champions list. And whenever you're having any sort of doubt, he's looked at that and said, you know what? I've done a few things. I can do it. Got to keep that. Got to keep that in your visual focus. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the rubber band thing, the rubber band, mm-hmm. the slingshot reminded me of something that I, I was doing regular uh, business calls with a group for a period of time. And it was like we said, the belief, yes. And, and the stretch. So when the stretch is good, you get that slingshot, but if you pull it too far, it's going to hurt and it's going to break and then you're going to fall. Right. So it's probably time to bring this in now Uh because it gives, it wraps a whole heap of these principles in. And you were going to ask me about the environmental product that we sold Yes. Bucket loads. Yeah. And it was back when indoor smoking bans were coming into place all around the world. Yeah. Good. The governments didn't think ahead. That's never happened. Anyhow, <laughs> um, <coughs> so they're telling everybody to go and smoke on the streets. And where did the cigarette butts end up? On the streets. Mm-hmm. And so I was just walking out the front of our house and I saw a lady that was driving, getting ready to go to work. She threw her butt out the window. I've always wanted to do this and still haven't done it. I wanted to pick it up and throw it back in. And I saw she was dressed in a nice nylon dress and she was going to go up in flames and I was going to go to jail. And that wasn't going to help anybody. But then it's the old reticular activator system kicks in. I saw cigarette butts everywhere. They were just everywhere. And I said to my mate, I said, we're going to do something about this. We're sitting at a beach having coffee. He's like, yeah. And I didn't know, but he was involved in consulting to people in the tobacco industry oh. and he knew what was happening and, and you know a couple of days later i said hey vince 
I've invented the first personal ashtray. People should carry the personal ashtray around. And he said, well, yeah, there's a lot around and they've been around for years and there's already 12 on the market. Oh, but that didn't put me off. You know, one night I just woke up with butt and butt, cigarette butt, and we call it a human butt, bottom, bum. So I actually invented a portable personal ashtray. You probably can't see it on that one. <laughs> and for the, those at home, it's almost like a tic-tac box. With oh, a my gosh. It's got a bum on it and a clip and, and everything. It's fire resistant. So I said, what about this? He said, great. So that was the belief. It was all in. We could do this. We did a, a seven PowerPoint slide and presented it to somebody and got seed funding. We got their, their buy-in for a significant amount of money. <clears throat> then prototyped it, took it out to the market. We had absolute belief. I mean, it, it cost us a couple of hundred grand to get going. Is it, you're not going to... But what we did, and this is for people to listen to, there was already 12 on the market. It was a very crowded market, but we didn't sell the personal ashtray. We sold how to reduce cigarette butt litter and we sold campaigns. We mm -hmm. sold how do you use them? How do you engage the smokers? T-shirts, bags, all of those sorts of things. So we sold the solution. And that's where most people go wrong. They sell the box of stuff that they did. Out of the 4 million that we sold around the world, I believe we probably sold less than 100,000 directly to smokers. So we sold the program, not the pieces. Yeah, you didn't sell the problem, you sold the solution. Yeah, I was not a well-known environmentalist. Vince was actually, when I finally got to know, he was a doctor of psychology and human behavior. Gee, mm -hmm. that helped. Yeah. Um, but I was the marketer and he was the psych guy. We put it together and within months of coming out with the cigarette butt litter reduction campaigns, we became global authorities. Oh, wow. That's amazing. On the unique, we won international environmental awards. So you don't have to be the best in the world. You just have to be the, yeah, in the world, you have to be the best in their world. We owned, we were the first ones that actually had what we had and became known for that small, tiny, unique bit there. And we're invited to speak around the world mm -hmm. without being the, the, the environmentalist and all of the qualified people. We had a specific thing. We solved a specific solution and we were global authorities on that. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. What do you see? Uh, this is a great question. I love this. What do you see in the next one, three, five years? You've done so much. I mean, you've got nine bestsellers. You've you know, training for the Olympics and overcome so much in your life. And here you are now the 24 seven dad and the 24 seven entrepreneur, which is, I love the philosophy. And I also love that you're naming things, what you feel to name them for you. You're claiming individuality by, I don't need to do it your way. I have my own way of doing it. Yeah. And Helping more people you, and you're themselves. an innovator and you're able to help yeah. more people that way. Yeah. Yeah. Help, helping more people to see what I, I do and that they could actually do it themselves. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to um, let me say it's commercialized, but break it down so people can get a taste of the programs and products, which they can now without actually having to go through my, my programs and coaching. I had one guy just the other day interviewing me for his podcast 
to, to get ready to go on. He said, Steve, I've got to let you know that I, I got your online program and I did the whole thing in a weekend. I repositioned myself. I repackaged myself. I created my blueprint. And on the Monday, I had a call with somebody and I sold a $15,000 program. So I've never done that. And, and so I, I, the belief came back into me that my online stuff actually works because there's videos and training in there and people can take it and get a good result. I don't have to babysit the people. So that's one of the big things that's uh, for me to achieve what I want to do, which was create a tsunami through multiple ripples, other mm. people's ripples. So I'm going to better package and, and put more into helping people without me having to actually be there live with them. Um, as Hunter's turned 18 and he's graduating more um, out of the fold, mm -hmm. I will still be there 24-7 on call, but I won't have to be as, as major 24-7. And, you know, as things open back up again, I'll probably end up liking to do travelling and speaking live to people. It's just, it's my happy place. Talking to people like you that just ask me questions that I know somewhere there might be one person that'll get something out of the, the, the dribble that I throw out, out of the information it. that I give. I'll call it nuggets, but I didn't want to be too egotistical. <laughs> out of this stuff, if I can work and, and share through you and your people, um, that, that's my happy place. And you know, I'm blessed to live where I live minutes from the Sydney Harbour and I watch it and all those sorts of things. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it really is now creating an impact while still having a damn good time, you know, get high speed internet on a big boat and I can do it while I'm fishing. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> well, speaking back around the world, getting back, traveling, taking things to the next level, making a bigger difference. It's a wonderful momentum set of goals, you know, and uh, yes, the world is, is definitely a new place and we are, we are going to be building online forever. And we just have to really bring the humanness and the uniqueness of who it is that we are. And Steve is bringing that to the world. He's speaking a different language, giving different, I don't want to use the word vision, but it's more like a different picture so that there's more excitement and inspiration in the creation of all of that. So we oh, have a moment here. Uh, so uh, having said that, uh, we had a momentary but, guest. I'm. Uh... <laughs> yeah, look, I've got a, a great gift for your people, if, okay. if that's okay. And you can put it in the show notes or, or wherever it is that they can go and grab it. Yes. My last back pocket guide, which would be great for your people, which is how to sell yourself without selling your soul. I love that. Um, well, we'll, well, you can put the links wherever they can go and get it. It's a gift. There's some videos in there. If you haven't had enough of this crazy Aussie accent, there's a couple of videos in there. Uh, and it's just a pretty well simple outline that you could go through and have a look at it. And uh, that would be my gift to you, your people. I've had an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Took and me down memory lane so a few spots. Pardon me? You took was... me down memory lane a few spots. Oh, that's good. That's really good. I really enjoyed having you on the show, Steve, and I'm super excited about um, posting this and publishing this podcast and then bringing it forward again and again, because so often, I mean, as, as things grow, we want more people to hear the message 
because what it is that you are sharing and what it is that you're doing in the world is really amazing. And I just want to say how much I appreciate getting the opportunity to spend time with you. And thank you so much, listeners, for being here. And boy, oh boy, if you didn't have a pen and a piece of paper handy, you can listen again and start taking some notes and jump onto his website. I actually did that. And my next step is to go and purchase some, some cool things and learn some new things. I'm in a great place to transition myself right now. So wherever you are in the world, that there's always a place for more joy, more juiciness, your life and your business. And remember this, you are a miracle. Thank you so much for being here and we'll see you next time.